You're listening to the Van Moody Podcast. Our passion is transforming the world by transforming lives. In today's episode, we'll explore how to unpack insecurity, the biggest piece of emotional baggage that we carry. Let's get started. Meet me in Exodus uh, chapter 3, and then we're going to flip over to Exodus chapter 4. Uh, and you can follow along with us not only in the app, uh, but on the screen. And if you've brought uh, your old-fashioned Bible, I've got the TWC app on my phone and on my iPad, but I still love carrying my Bible. And if that's you, uh, however you choose to follow along with us, I just want you to look at Exodus 3 because on this, the second and final installment of this short series, The Cost of Excess Baggage, on today, we're going to deal with unpacking our biggest baggage. And by way of unpacking our biggest baggage, we're going to talk this morning about dealing with insecurity. Dealing with insecurity. Now, Exodus 3 is really the call narrative, the story of when God calls Moses to lead the children of Israel out of Egyptian slavery. And let's start in verse 9, because God is talking to Moses, and it continues into chapter 4. It says, and this is God talking, and now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Now, let's jump over into chapter 4 because the conversation continues. But Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you've spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord, please, please send someone else. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. I want to talk this morning about unpacking our biggest baggage. And by biggest baggage, in particular, I'm talking about dealing with insecurity. Because for many, many people, that is the biggest baggage that we carry around that causes unnecessary damage, not only to our relationships, but to our lives. Some of you are thinking, well, how do you know that that is one of the biggest pieces of baggage that people carry around? Well, we did a Twitter poll as we were praying and preparing for this series. We did a Twitter poll, and we put a poll out on Twitter, and there are uh, 130 plus thousand people that connect with us on Twitter. And we put a poll out there on Twitter and we raised the question and asked, what do you think is the biggest 
piece of baggage that, that messes up relationships. And the creative team and the tech team are going to put this graphic up on the screen. I hope that you can really see it. But out of the people that participated in the Twitter poll, 48% of the people said that it was insecurity. The common type of baggage in relationships, the greatest out of, out of control issues and negative mindset and being stuck in the past, 48% of the people that responded said it was insecurity. Now, I mentioned on last week when we started this series how this series is really near and dear to my heart. On last Sunday, my wife and I celebrated 12 amazing years of marriage, and I shared on last Sunday that, that I had an awful lot of baggage uh, to deal with. And, and so 12 years of, of a great marriage is just a testimony of what can happen when you allow God to unpack your bags. Uh, but this week is also very important to me as well because truthfully, I grew up very, very insecure. Now, you know, our church is for all people and I love the diversity of our church. Uh, but let me just, let me talk about being African-American for just a second. One of the unique things about uh, my culture, African-Americans, is that we come in all different shades of brown. Amen. Uh, and so my, my mother used to say, oh, he's dark brown or she's paper sack brown. We come in a, a ton of different shades of brown. And I'm sure you've noticed by now, I, I'm on the darker side of that shade spectrum. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a cocoa brother. I'm, I'm a chocolate, chocolate brother. But, but I grew up in a time as a kid when, when, when chocolate guys were not in. I grew up, I grew up in the Albie Shore, Christopher Williams kind of era. This was before Wesley Snipes and some of the other dark-skinned men became really popular uh, in television and in movies. And so, because I was dark-skinned and often I was, I was darker than, than a lot of my classmates, people made fun of me often, and it led to my insecurity. I was called all kinds of names, and uh, I was black at midnight, and all, all of those kinds of negative things that kids can say. And so, I, I grew up very, very insecure, and as a child, the insecurity was evident in my behavior. And I want you to take note of that because... Insecurity is the motivation behind the way that a lot of people behave. A lot of times we think that we're just responding to what they said or what they did, and we miss the fact that there's something fueling that, and what's fueling it often is insecurity. Insecurity manifests itself in a number of ways. When, when somebody is extremely shy, often that's because of insecurity. When a person has a tendency to be overly arrogant or when they brag all the time or even when people are overly aggressive, a lot of times that is coming from a place of insecurity. Uh, maybe you know people who are overly passive or, or people that have a tendency to always conform to what other people think they ought to be like. All of those behaviors are fueled by insecurity. I'll give you some more examples. When, when a person has a quick temper, that quick temper often is coming from a place of insecurity. Or when people are just phony, when, when they wear masks and they won't really reveal who they are. All of that is a result of insecurity. Insecurity affects some people in a way that they have this overwhelming fear of failure. So they won't try new things, they won't take risks. 
all because of insecurity. And I'll tell you another big area that insecurity really manifests itself, it's in negative criticism. If you know people or if you're around people who are always negative, they always have something negative to say. They're always tearing people down. You know why? Because they're insecure. Or uh, maybe you know people who gossip all the time. They've always got something to say about somebody. Ooh, did you hear about this? And this is what this person told me. Let me tell you why people gossip. What's the root of their gossip? It's insecurity. These are just examples of how insecurity manifests itself in all types of behavior. And that's just a short list. The list really could go on and on and on because insecurity manifests itself in a number of ways and behaviors in our lives. And so what is insecurity? Because I want to make sure that we all have a proper understanding of what it is. I don't want us to have varied definitions of insecurity. So when I talk about insecurity... I'm talking about lacking confidence or assurance. I'm talking about having this overwhelming sense of self-doubt. When when you are overwhelmed with self-doubt, when you lack confidence or you lack assurance, that is insecurity. And our insecurities, if we don't unpack that bag, will manifest itself and will show up in a variety of ways through our behavior. This is what, in fact, happened to Moses in those verses of scripture that we just read a moment ago. His insecurities actually bubbled to the surface. And what's interesting about Exodus 3 and Exodus 4 is that Moses' insecurities surfaced at a moment when you would think that he would have extreme confidence. How many, how many of you, just by show of hands, have ever been in a situation where you at a crossroads, where you, you were facing a big decision or maybe a big opportunity, and, and you said, God, if you, could just, if you could just show up, if you could literally just part the Red Sea, speak, speak out of a cloud, rain fire down, I mean, show up in a burning bush. God, I really need to hear your voice in an unmistakable way. Then I'll know which direction to go in. Anybody ever kind of prayed that kind of prayer? I know I have. Amen? Well, get this. That happened to Moses. God shows up in a significant way, speaks out of a bush that's on fire, but the bush is not consumed, and it is clear that this is a God moment. It is unmistakable, undeniable, yet Moses' insecurities got in the way. So much so that it says that the Lord became angry. After telling Moses, I got you, I'm going to do this, after demonstrating the miraculous power that he was going to give Moses, you you put your hand inside your robe, take it out, it's going to be leprous white, put it back in, take it out, I'm going to heal it. After going through all of that, Moses' insecurities still won out to the point that God was furious. Could it be that that's how God feels about us? Yes, he loves us. But could God be furious or maybe frustrated because he's trying to push you into your destiny and your purpose, but your insecurities keep preventing you from stepping into what God has for you? That's why we're going to unpack this morning our biggest baggage, and we're going to ultimately deal with insecurity. Now, in order to deal with insecurity, number one, you have to understand the major sources of security. I want to, insecurity, I want to I want first give you the, the three sources, the three biggest sources of insecurity. 
Where, where, where does insecurity really come from? How have we allowed it uh, to, to leave its place and infiltrate our lives? It's because there are three big sources of insecurity. The first one is rejection. Rejection is a huge source of insecurity. When, when love is withheld or when you feel like your opinions aren't valued when you feel like we don't have, uh, you don't have a voice or we don't have a voice and you feel re- rejected, rejection creates insecurity, particularly when you feel like you've been rejected over a protracted period of time. Let me give you another source of insecurity, criticism. Criticism creates insecurity. Now, most of us can handle the constructive forms of criticism, especially when those constructive criticisms come from people that we know love us and have our best interests at mind. This is why the Bible says that the wounds of a friend bring healing. We, we can handle that when we know you got my best interest at heart. But when you find yourself under this relentless criticism, particularly from people that you don't really know whether or not they truly love you. And when you constantly hear over and over and over again how you're not good enough and how you don't measure up, and, 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 and if you're constantly criticized over time, that criticism will build insecurities in your life. Here's another source of insecurity. Comparisons. Comparisons. Comparison uh, or, or comparisons, when you compare, that creates insecurity. And often what we end up doing is comparing, there it is, comparing ourselves to others all the time. Sometimes it starts, oftentimes it starts when we're very little. When we're kids, what do we end up doing? We end up comparing. Well, their cake is bigger than mine, or, or their bedtime is later than mine. Why can't we stay up? We, we are comparing as children. Then when we grow up a little bit and become teenagers, often guess what we do? We keep comparing. We, we compare grades. We compare athletic ability. We compare clothing styles, our, our, our dates to the prom, where they went to dinner. We, we compare and compare and compare. And then when we get older, guess what? Often the comparisons continue. We just compare different things. As adults, often we end up comparing salaries and our jobs and our homes and our, and our cars. And so you've got to understand that the major sources of our insecurities are comparisons, it's, it's, it's criticism, it, it's, it's, it's this, this notion that you can never do anything right and so you end up rejected and when you over time keep dealing with rejection and criticism and when you are constantly comparing, that's where a lot of the insecurity comes from. So if we're going to deal with insecurity after you understand where it comes from, I want to give you three steps to dealing with insecurity. I'm going to give you, now that you know the three major sources of insecurity, let me give you the three steps to dealing with insecurity. The first one is you got to change your thinking. And I want you to make this personal. So, so in your notes, uh, get this, change my thinking. Because if, if you're going to deal with insecurity, if I'm going to deal with insecurity, you got to make it personal. Change my thinking. Why do you say that, Pastor? Because... Our insecurities are all in our head. And I know some of you may think, yeah, but, 
but I know I'm not good at something and that's why I'm insecure about it. Even if your insecurities are based on some aspect of reality, it's how we choose to think about that reality that ultimately results in insecurity. It's stinking thinking. And if you're going to deal with insecurity, you've got to change the way you're thinking because so often we languish and stay uh, really just under our insecurities because we're thinking the wrong way. And so often we have this stinking thinking because we have bought into the world's system or the world's way of thinking about what's important and, and what's not. So often we've bought into what the world thinks is valuable or not, what's right or wrong according to the world's standards. But you've got to change your thinking. This is a part of the ministry of Jesus Christ. Over and over and over again when Jesus is teaching Part of what he's teaching is the kingdom of God. And the thing about the kingdom of God is that the kingdom of God flips the world system upside down. The kingdom of God has a different set of priorities, looks at things different from the world. This is why Jesus said things like, the last shall be first and the first shall be last. Because he's telling us that if you're really going to connect with God's heart, you've got to change the way you're thinking. This is why Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 is so important. In Romans 12 and 2, it, it says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. How? By changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Meaning you can't even begin to tap into God's will for your life until you begin to change your thinking. So I want you to understand this. Dealing with insecurity starts with how we think. We've got to change the way we think, in particular, how we think about ourselves. This is part of the reason why the Word of God over and over and over again spends a lot of time telling us who we really are. Because that is the start of changing your thinking as it relates to how you feel and think about yourself. An example of this is Psalms 8, starting at verse 3. I love it. In Psalm 8 and verse 3, it says this. When I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you set in place, what are mere mortals that you should think about them? Human beings that you should care for them. Yet you made them only, look at this, a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. Psalm is talking about you. That psalm is talking about you. Now, when I was growing up and people would give me a compliment, often adults would say to me, now, now, boy, don't let that go to your head. Don't let it go to your head. You're good at that, but, don't, but don't, don't you let it go to your head. Well, this morning, I want to flip that. I want to say to you, I want to beg you, I want to ask you, I want to implore you that God wants you to let this go to your head. How God feels about you, who you really are. Think about that for a moment. Psalms 8 verses 3 through 5. Meditate on that a moment. Get this, that God created you and I just a little bit lower than himself and crowned us with glory and honor. That's who you are and that has to go to your head. If you're going to change your thinking, 
You got to allow that to go to your head. And I'm saying this and, and I'm teaching to some of you that that is resonating in a significant way because you've never been told of your real value. This is why you've got to spend time in the word because the word of God tells you who you really are and describes your value over and over and over again. As a matter of fact, what I want to do before I rush to this next point is I want you to just take a second and just let that soak in. This is the truth about who you are. Think about that. God created us just a little bit lower than himself. Then, then one translation says, you created us a little bit lower than the heavenly beings and crowned us, meaning he crowned you with glory and honor. That's who you are. Let that go to your head. Because if you're going to deal with insecurity, it starts by changing the way that you think. You got to change my thinking, change your thinking. But here's the second step to, to dealing with insecurity. Secondly, you have to embrace your uniqueness. Make it personal. Embrace my uniqueness. Now, one of the things that I love about the Word of God is beyond its power and its revelation and its promises. I love the imagery that God uses throughout Scripture. God will use vivid word pictures, and he uses these vivid word pictures because they help us to embrace and understand sometimes things that are hard to kind of wrap your mind around. And, and Psalm 139 is an example of that. In Psalm 139, it literally describes your uniqueness, my uniqueness. In Psalm 139 and in verse 13, it, it says, it says for, for you, you, God, created, created my inmost beings. And here's the word picture. You, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I love that. It, it's, it's this imagery that, that long before you were born, God was, was up in heaven knitting you together in your mother's womb. I love it. I, I've, been, I've been in some environments and in some settings, some think tanks with, with uh, ladies in leadership. And as they're listening and processing, I, I've watched them as they just sit there and knit. And, and it is, it is a, a patient work. They don't knit a sweater in five minutes. They take time. Sometimes they take months. And some, some knitting projects have taken on years. But well, watch this. The, the person that is doing the knitting knows exactly what they have in mind. Now, on the outside, as you're watching them knit, sometimes you don't know what they're knitting. But when they're all finished, it's a masterpiece. And it is a masterpiece because they take their time and they put it all together. There was a, a mother in Germany when I was there working that, that knit a pair of socks for me because I was there in the winters and it gets extremely cold in Germany and she knit socks for me and I have those socks to this very day. They are the most comfortable, warm socks that I have. And guess what? I can't find any socks like them anywhere in the world. And believe me, I've tried. But why can't I find them? Because she knit those socks just for me. That's how God feels about you. That's how unique and special you are. You are uniquely knit together you are just just like those socks that that woman knit for me you are one of a kind you, you are a masterpiece and the greatest tragedy 
of our lives is that we are all born originals, but so many of us die carbon copies because we haven't embraced our uniqueness. This is one of the reasons why every single week we encourage you to attend Growth Track because one of the greatest aspects of Growth Track is 301. And the whole point of 301 is that we help you to appreciate, identify, and understand your uniqueness. Because when you know how special you are and how God knit you together, it'll change every aspect of your life. What's the next step to dealing with our insecurities? The third step is you and I have got to trust our creator, but make it personal. Put in your notes, trust my creator. The, the, the third thing that must be done to deal with, with insecurity is that you've got to trust your creator. What, what do I mean by trusting our creator? Look at Isaiah chapter 64. And, and in verse 8, I want you to see this. In Isaiah 64, in, in verse 8, it says this, Yet you, Lord... Are our father. We are the clay and you are the potter. We are all the works of your hands. This is another vivid word picture. And the, the verse is, is literally trying to get us to understand this picture that we all start off as clay, but God is the potter. Now, I've got a couple of pieces of ceramic up here and this first piece of ceramic that I want you to pay attention to is a piece that our daughter Eden made for uh, my wife and I uh, a few years ago I don't quite know what it is it's, it's just something it's just something that Eden made her name is right there on the bottom uh, I, I call it something because it's kind of hard to identify I don't know is it an ashtray I don't quite know we don't smoke so I don't know why she would make this for us but but you know you don't really know what it is and and even if the uh, the camera can zoom in what you see is it's it's got imperfections and it's got jagged spots and and it's and it's it's rough around the edges the closer you get the 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 worse it, it, it looks because this is just this is just something something that our daughter made for us now this on the other hand is something different this is a fine beautiful piece of craftsmanship and and if you could zoom in and look at the, the detail that, that is, is carved into this kind of ceramic piece. You, you'll notice that it's, that it's very, very different. Now, uh, the biggest difference is that this was made by an amateur. This was made by someone who really didn't have any business trying to mold clay. This, on the other hand, is, is beautiful. It's, it's uniform. It's symmetric. There's a lot of detail to it. It's a, it's a one-of-a-kind masterpiece. You could get something like this at Pier 1 or, or, or Crate and Barrel. And, and the reason I want you to pay attention to the, the two of these is because the real question is, what's the difference? The difference is whose hand were these in? This was in the hand of our daughter, maybe when she was three or four. 
This was in the hand of a master. Someone that knew what they were doing. What's the point, pastor? You and I have a choice to make. The Bible makes it very clear. We are clay. God is the master potter. Now, if we want, we, we can choose to mold ourselves. We, we, can, we can say, you know what? I think I know what the best way to deal with, with my issues. I think I know the best way to handle my marriage. You, you, can, you can choose that if you like. I think I know the best way to deal with my insecurities. I, I think I know how to handle this situation. You can make that choice, but this is what you're going to get. As a matter of fact, part of the reason that some of our lives are in the state that it's in is because this is the best that we could do, but you could choose to say, God, I, I trust you. I'm, I'm in your hands. I'm, I'm clay. You are, you are the potter. God, I, I trust you. I, I trust you. God, you are the one that spoke the world into existence. God, you, you are the one that created the heavens and, and the earth. I, I trust you. You knit me together in my mother's womb. And so, God, I, I trust you. You, 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 can, you can take my marriage. I trust you with my marriage. I trust you with my kids. Because when, when you're done, I know that what you're going to make is a masterpiece. You can take a broken, messed up clay like me, and when you're done, it's going to be a masterpiece. Look at your neighbor and ask them, so, so choose. What, what do you want? Do you want to be in the hands of the master? Or do you want to take matters into your own hands? You've you got to trust your creator. Those are the three steps to dealing with insecurity. But lastly, I want you to understand number three, thirdly and finally, that in order to really, really deal with insecurity, you have to address the biggest issue with insecurity. As I've been praying for, for, for this word, the Lord really, really, really pressed this on me and said, you have got to share this. So I, I may be a little bit over my time this morning, but I want to give this to you because it's not enough for you to know the three sources of insecurity. And it's not enough for you to just understand the three first or initial steps to dealing with insecurity. The third most important component is that you have to address the biggest issue with security. And the biggest issue that feeds insecurity, that leads to insecurity is this. It's a lack of identity. The biggest issue that leads to insecurity is a lack of identity. What do you mean, Pastor? When you don't know who you are, then you are insecure about who you are. Now, we started off in Exodus looking at God calling Moses. Now I want to jump to the New Testament in Hebrews that talks a little bit more about Moses. Pick me up in Hebrews 11 and verse 23 because we want to address the biggest issue with insecurity in order to really unpack this bag. In Hebrews 11 and verse 23, it says this, by faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw that he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses when he had grown up, 
refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as a greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who was invisible. The biggest issue with insecurity is a lack of identity. And the difference between what we read earlier in Exodus 3 and 4 and what you read about Moses in Exodus, and rather in Hebrews 11, is this shift in his identity. See, knowing your true identity demonstrates spiritual maturity. When you know your true identity, it is a sign of spiritual maturity. See, growing up, Moses asked all of the questions that everybody else asked, you know, um, uh, why am I here and, and who am I and where did I come from and God what do you want to do with my life and what am I supposed to be what am I supposed to do what is my life about growing up Moses asked all of those same questions but the most important of all of those questions is who am I then after you answer that question you can get to well God what did you put me here on earth for a lot of people want to jump to the question of purpose what's my purpose God, God, why am I here? Or what do you want me to do? But before you can answer the why and the what question, you first have to answer the who question. Who are you? So Moses is asking all of these questions, just like we ask these questions. But at some point, you've got to get to the answer. You've got to know who you are. This is why knowing your true identity demonstrates spiritual maturity. Matter of fact, look at verse 24. Let's go back to Hebrews 11 and verse 24 because I want you to see this. It says, by faith, Moses, when he had grown up. I, I want you to pay attention to that. When he had grown up, he refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Pay attention to that phrase, when he had grown up. Because when you know your identity, it demonstrates spiritual maturity. When Moses grew up, he stopped living a lie. Moses had grown up, and when he grew up, he refused to continue to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Meaning that Moses only had two choices. He could pretend for the rest of his life, or he could embrace his real identity. He could fake it for the rest of his life, or he could be who God called him to be. And I point that out to you because here's the question. What are you going to do? What decision are you going to make? And let me tell you why this is important, because so much of the stress, so much of the insecurity in our lives comes from not knowing who we are. And when you don't know who you are, you will try to live up to the expectations of other people. You will live for the approval of others. You will live based on the fear of being rejected for other people, from other people. But when you know who you are, it changes everything about your life. This is why I love the way Jesus handled the expectations of other people. The, the, the Pharisees had expectations for Jesus. The Sadducees had expectations. The Romans had expectations. And in one encounter in John 8, when they are criticizing him and trying to undermine his teaching and his ministry, Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid for I know, watch this, where I come from and where I'm going. I love that. Because that is maturity. 
Jesus says, I know where I came from. But I also know where I'm going. He's, in other words, saying, I know who I am. And listen to me. As your pastor, as someone who loves you, who cares for you, I want you to get to that point. And that's a part of my job. A part of my job is to help you get to the point where you can say like Jesus, I know who I am. I know where I came from, and I know where I'm going. I know what God has called me to, but more than what he called me to, I know who I am because that is spiritual maturity and that will deal with the insecurities in your life. When you know who you are, you don't fake it anymore. When you, when you know who you are, you also know what you are not. You know what your strengths are. You know what your weaknesses are. And no matter what you face in life, you're focused and you keep moving forward because you have settled the issue of identity. As a matter of fact, get this in your notes. I want you to get this. I hear Holy Spirit pressing me to share this with you. Write this somewhere, maybe in your Bible. I'm a product of my past, but I'm not a prisoner of my past. You see that when Jesus says, I know where I came from and I know where I'm going. You see it with Moses. Moses refused to be known as Pharaoh's daughter. I'm a product. Write that down. I'm a product of my past, but I'm not a prisoner of my past. Yes, there are some challenging things in my past, some, some bumps, some bruises in my past, but it doesn't control my future. My past is not my destiny. I'm a product of my past, but I'm not a prisoner of my past. Why? Because when you know your identity, it demonstrates spiritual maturity. Here's the second thing. Knowing your identity defines your responsibilities. Knowing your identity defines your responsibilities. Let me explain this to you really quickly. When you know your identity, it defines your responsibilities, it clarifies, in other words, what God expects of you. And it also clarifies what God doesn't expect of you. Let me say this. I, I've learned that God doesn't expect me to play baseball, meaning that one day I'm going to stand before God and I'm going to give an account for him, but he's not going to judge me on gifts that he didn't give me. He's not going to evaluate me on talents that I do not have. So watch this. When you know who you are, when you know who you are, you know what your responsibilities are, and you also know what your responsibilities are not. And this is very important because often our insecurities comes from this feeling like we don't measure up. But the question is, what are you trying to measure up to? What do you mean, Pastor? God created you to do some things in your life, but he did not create you to do everything. And part of the reason that, that so many of us have, have become insecure is because we're trying to do everything. But when you know who you are, when you know what God has created you to do and what God has created you not to do, then you can focus on what you're called to do and understand that everything else is not your responsibility and your insecurity and your stress drops dramatically. You are not responsible for everything in the world. But you are responsible for what God made you to be and what God called you to do. Let me say it this way. There's a season of your life. Thank you, God. This is so good. There, there's a season of your life. You go through a season of your life when your life is defined by what you say yes to, particularly when you don't know your identity. You end up saying yes to a lot of things. Yes, I will attend that. Yes, I will be a part of this group. Yes, I'll do that. Yes, I'll do that. Because you're in a, you're in a search 
for your identity. But when you know who you are, you shift into another season where your life is no longer defined by what you say yes to. Now your life is defined by what you say no to. Because when you know who you are, you can uh, stop saying yes to everything and start saying no, 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 I'm, no, I don't feel called to that. That's not, that's not who I am. That's not what I'm called to do. Thank you for the invitation. No, I can't do that. When you know who you are, you no longer live your life by virtue of what you say yes to. It's defined by what you now say no to. I want you to see this. Hebrews 11 and 25. It says he, talking about Moses, chose to be mistreated along with the people of God, rather to enjoy, rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. I, I love this. Notice in the previous verse, God chooses Moses. God chose Moses when Moses was a baby. Moses didn't even know God yet. God chose Moses. But in verse 25, it says when he grew up, guess what he had to do? Moses had to choose God. The same is true for you. God knit you in your mother's womb. He chose you even before you were born. But now that you are growing up, you got to choose him. You got to choose to say, this is, this is what I know that God created me to do. And, and even when you look at what Hebrew says about Moses, and in verse 24, Moses is refusing. But in verse 25, Moses is choosing. Did I say that too fast? Moses is refusing. He says, he says no, 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 because I know who I am. And he chooses to do the right thing all out of a sense of his identity. I want you to understand that your identity shapes every part of your life and impacts how insecurity will affect you or not affect you. Even in Romans 14 and 12, this is why it says that we will give an account of ourselves to God, meaning that God is going to say, now, let me hold you accountable for what I called you to do. Not all of this other stuff that you did that was not connected to your purpose and your identity. I'm, I'm out of time. Let me give you these last two as we get ready to close. Thirdly, knowing your true identity decides your priorities. When you know who you are, it helps you to understand what to focus on and what to ignore. And one of the secrets of life is to understand what you need to focus on and what you need to let go. When you know who you are and when you know who God made you to be, then, then it affects your values. It shapes your priorities. You know what to prioritize, what not to prioritize. When you know who you are and who God made you to be, it affects how you spend your money. You know what you need to spend your money on, what you don't need to spend your money on. It affects how you spend your time. I'm going to spend time here, but I'm not going to spend time there. It helps you to set your priorities. Think, think about Moses for a second. He was born a, a Hebrew, right? But he was raised in the lap of luxury as Pharaoh's grandson. And he could have chosen that for the rest of his life. But once you know your true identity, your priorities change because, because there's this, this shift in Moses' life and the palace and everything that comes with it doesn't matter anymore. Verse 26 of Hebrews 11 says, he regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward, meaning he knew his value and he knew what was valuable to him. Let me ask you something right now. If I asked you, to tell me five of the most important values in your life and to name them in that order, could you do that? 
If I, if I were to just ask you, tell me what the values are that you're building your life on, that you're building your family on. What are those five values? If I asked you to do that, could you do it? Could you give me one, two, three, four, and five? Could you even prioritize them? And if you can't name them, you don't know them. And let me tell you something. If you don't decide, Lord, this is so good. If you don't decide what's important to you, you open yourself up for insecurity. Let me tell you why. Because if you don't decide what your priorities are, somebody else will decide them for you. And we end up being insecure because we're trying to live up to the priorities that somebody else set for us instead of the ones that God called us to follow. The Bible says, know your value. Why? Because if you don't know your values, you can't live them. As I close, I want to give you this last one. I'm over my time. It's because I'm trying to cram so much in this two-week series. But I want to make sure that we unpack our biggest baggage, which is insecurity. So let me give you this last one. Now I get ready to hand it off to our campus leaders. Lastly, knowing your true identity determines your destiny. Your identity, talking about the biggest issue that leads to insecurities, lack of identity, your identity determines your destiny. Once Moses realized who he was, his whole life took on a new direction. Moses lived 120 years, and Moses' life is divided perfectly into three sets of 40. He lived in Pharaoh's household for 40 years. Then he spent 40 years on the backside of a Midianite desert as a shepherd. Then he has this burning bush experience, and then he spends the next 40 years leading the children of Israel out of Egypt and through the wilderness. What am I trying to tell you? It took 40 years for Moses to really learn his identity. And once he did, his insecurities went away, and he was able to step into purpose, his real destiny. But God said, I got to take you out of the palace. I got to allow you to spend 40 years on the backside of a Midianite desert because it's going to take that long for you to let go of everything Egypt so that you can really, really embrace your destiny. We hope you enjoyed this message from Pastor Van Moody. For more information about Van Moody Ministries, please visit vanmoody.org. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed week. Thank you.